All right, Lou Echoes here, uh, leader of the Tropic Marine North America, here to, again, share all of his knowledge with us. This time on 10 Things I Wish Hobbyists Would Understand About Calcium and Alkalinity Additions. Uh, uh, spoiler alert, uh, they have been doing the Bali Method forever, and then a little bit newer edition is the All For Eat by Newer. I mean, I think we're somewhere between five and 10 years in this yeah. one now. Uh, but different strokes for different folks. So let's start with number one. The best method for calcium and alkalinity supplementation is in your, uh, your system, for your system, depends on how you like to run your system. There's no one silver bullet or perfect method for everyone. Yeah, What's easy for you to say. Um, it's, uh, the, the point of this is that there is no one perfect answer for everybody. It depends on how you like to run the system. It depends on what your situation is, you know? Are you maybe there every day and you like the control of actually adding something yourself to the tank every day? Or maybe you're the kind of person that wants to just set up a dosing pump and, and, and never deal with it, you know? Maybe you travel a lot and so you need, need the ability to, you know, have it run kind of on autopilot without you. Or maybe your tank is very variable on how much calcium and alkalinity uses and you need that ability to adjust that. So all of these things come into play. Also cost, you know, what is, what is the, this method cost? Do I, do I want to buy three dosing pumps or do I want to buy one dosing pump or, you know, it's, it's all part of it. And so the, the takeaway just from this first one is just, there's no one solution for everybody. I can help you figure out what would be best for you if you want to talk about it. But also you can just look at what do you want to do with your system and it'll help you figure out which direction you want to go in. The word best is the stickler here for me uh, because we can do two things a lot better in this hobby. One is you could ask the question a lot better. So if you're going to go out there and say, hey, what is uh, the best uh, calcium solution? Follow that up with, uh, hey, I'm on a medium, big, low budget. I don't have a lot of space. I want something simple. I don't mind complex if it's better. You know, some set of guidelines that the person that's going to give that counsel to you back uh, could give you helpful counsel back to you to find out what the best is, because the best doesn't apply to everybody. It, it applies to that very specific set of things you just said. Now, you're new. You may not know what you need or you're just asking, right? Well, the inverse now, as the people that are giving that counsel, you know, if I'm on a forum or a group or whatever, and somebody says, what's the best calcium? I can just spit out whatever it is I've used and assume that you have the exact same needs or me, or I can help that person and say, hey, I'd love to help you. Uh, do you have any budget, space, or uh, whatever constraints on this? Are you looking for easy? Do you have pH problems in your tank, whatever? And then based on the answers to that, I could now give you the best. Good news, though, you can throw all that in the trash because we're going to answer those questions today. Uh, <laughs> okay. uh, but I think that applies to basically everything. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the other point about that is there are a lot of successful ways to do this. It's not like there's one best way that does it better than anything else. Never. There's a lot of successful ways to do it. Uh, yeah, I mean, you see it all the time. Like, no, Kelkwasser is the king. You know, calcium reactors are the king. Kelkwasser slurry is the king. Uh, two parts the king. No, yeah. Bolling bar is the king. No, Triton is the king. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I don't know. They can't all be king, man. Uh, they're not all king. They're king at something. You know, they're all good. Very they all specific. Work. 
I have a bunch of stories, but each one I'm not going to go down. Uh, another day. Uh, so the next question here, uh, or next item is, the balling method is the best if you want complete daily control over how much individual component is going into your system. What does that mean? So I made a mistake by using the word best, I guess, but... Uh, no, no, you, you tied it to something. <laughs> it's best if you want something. Yeah, yeah. I so, want to complete daily control over how much of each individual uh, component's going in your system. Exactly. I mean, this is where the balling method shines. Yes, it's three different solutions. Yes, you need three different dosing pumps and three different containers. You know, it's true of all of that. But where it really shines is that you have complete control over how much calcium goes in and how much alkalinity goes in every day. So if you've got one of these systems that maybe uses a bunch more alkalinity than it does calcium, within a certain range, you can adjust for that with balling. Maybe you put in 50 mLs of A a day and 55 or 60 mLs of B every day. By the way, um, another question that I actually didn't put on this list that I'm gonna answer because it relates right to this is, People, people often say to me, I'm, I'm doing 50 mLs of, uh, of balling A, I'm doing 65 mLs of balling B. How much balling C do I use? Because in a perfect world, you're using equal amounts of each. So if I'm using different amounts of A and B, what is my C supposed to be? Valid question. The easiest answer to that is match the volume of C solution to whatever the lower number is of A or B. A and B. So if you're doing 50 of A and 60 of B, you're going to do 50 of C. I would have never thought of that question. Yeah, it uh, comes up all the time. Yeah, because, uh, you know, like there's other th three parts out there. There'd be calcium, alkalinity, magnesium. Yeah, that's totally different. You know, and if you were going to do those three, then you would identify that one of them was messed up because the magnesium would start to go up or down. Right? Well, in the magnesium in that, the part C, which would be the magnesium in that, you're measuring your magnesium and you're adding yep. the amount of magnesium you need. In this case, I just need to be told. What with, to do. Right, with balling C, there's nothing to measure to know. Okay, so just for reference, most people are going to find that uh, their two parts, A and B, are going to be roughly the exact same dose. Uh, it doesn't really change all that much. And then you would do the exact same dose of C. It's really easy. Exactly. But the answer to if, if it's not the truth, truth, match your dose of C to the Whatever lowest, the lowest, lowest is. one. So that's, that's a good pickup. Yeah, I, I forgot to put that on your sheet. Uh, okay, but uh, in any case, the one of the that's one of the reasons why you would use the balling method is because I want control over calcium alkalinity independently. And you would say knee jerk, well, they're going to consume both of them equally. Well, yes, sometimes, sometimes they do, always, sometimes they don't. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, okay, next one. The balling method still slowly raises your salinity, but in an ionically balanced way that other the two other I'm adding part in the other two parts don't do. Yeah, so this is something that is, seems really hard to explain because whenever I explain it to people, it takes some time. So we're gonna do a short explanation of it here. But um, the, the basic gist of that is that with, your, with a two-part, any two-part system, you're creating some excess sodium chloride. And sodium chloride is salt. So it's going to raise the salinity of the system in time which you're going to correct with makeup water, fresh makeup water, to bring that salinity back down. The problem with the two-part method, when you don't have that part C, 
is that you're adding just sodium chloride so that when you dilute the salinity to bring it back down, you're diluting the sodium chloride, but you're also diluting everything else. And those tiny little trace elements that are just barely there, if we're going to dilute them even more, now they're really almost not there. So what the balling method does is to, it still raises salinity. It, it still raises salinity. You still need to add fresh water from time to time to bring that salinity down. However, the salinity goes up in an ionically balanced way. That means you're not just getting excess sodium chloride in there, but you're getting a little excess of the trace elements and the magnesium and everything else as well. So that then when you dilute it, you're diluting everything right back to where it was at your 1.025 or 0.026 where you started. Okay, so this is the word where I'll use best because like if, if you have a problem, which is uh, water, or I'm adding salt with every dose. You know, I'm adding sodium chloride, you know, through sodium bicarbonate and calcium chloride. Uh, and I'm adding essentially table salt every day. Uh, and eventually it's gonna raise the salinity of the tank. I'm gonna correct and screw up everything. This addresses that. So best at addressing that, for sure. Uh, yeah, and, and um, but the, the, the point that I try to make with this is that People think, well, then with, I'm doing the balling method, so the salinity is not going up. Well, it, it still is going up. It's just going up in, a, in an even balanced way. So this is the way that I guess I describe it, because this is like a hard concept. I've had this conversation so many times, and it's really hard to stick. So I'm going to take a stab at this, too. Please do. Hopefully you'll pick it up from one of us. Okay. So basically what's happening is I'm raising the salinity up every single day. Right, uh, with just a little bit of two part, taking out the calcium and alkalinity, sodium chloride's left over. All right, eventually the you know salinity of the tank will end up at you know thirty five or thirty seven parts per thousand, and the only way to make it come back down to thirty five is scoop out some of the salt water, throw it away, and put some fresh water in there, and then it'll come back to thirty five. Now the problem with that is. I'm scooping out trace elements and dumping them down the drain, and then I'm replacing it with fresh water, which means when I'm done, there's less trace element concentration in there. Now, the question is, does that matter? Today, no way. Does not matter today. Does it matter next week? No way. Does it matter six months from now? Mm, I don't know. Does it matter 18 months from now? Probably somewhat. Like we don't know, but what you have is a imbalanced approach. Once you can acknowledge that, yep, I'm definitely taking those elements out and throwing them down the trash, and then I'm replacing it with fresh water and I'm diluting those elements every single time I do this, uh, well, on a long enough timeline, that's just no good, you know? So I, I think that, again, here I would use this is why it's attractive to me. Known problem solving that known problem. And it also hits something that I talk about a lot, which is almost nothing we do will be poison or toxic today. Like I, it goes back to the old tank syndrome. You know, have you ever you've heard yeah. people that, like old tank syndrome just miraculously means my beautiful, awesome tank just took a dump. Uh, yeah. that's, a, that's all it means, man. And nobody knows why it might be. And as reefers, if you want to get to those five-year tanks where the thing's really robust and everybody loves it and it's coming over and that's the exact point where you don't want to lose it, uh, 
we have to just eliminate every dumb thing that we do. And to me, this seems like one of them. Yeah, and, and it's, I, I love the science behind it because there's no magic to this. Like you can really look at, on the, on the molecular level, you can look at what is happening. I'm getting rid of this stuff, I'm diluting it. Here's how I replenish it. So, uh, so anyway, that's the, that's the point of that one. Okay, there, here's the other part. It's usually like this super hard pitch that like it just gave them, like trying to convince you of something like that you know, might not otherwise believe, comes at some great expense. That is not the case here. It's actually really inexpensive. It's really simple to do, and like all you have to do is decide that you wanted it. Yeah. That it mattered. Okay. Uh, then the next one here is the true balling method does not supplement trace elements. I didn't know that actually until just now. Uh, you can add trace K and uh, ball to part trace K to balling part A and trace uh, a. Uh, a to balling part B, which is backwards, uh, yeah. and add the traces right to the balling solution. So you can take these two solutions that didn't have trace elements and add the K, A and K to them, and now you have made your own. Yeah, so we, we talked about this in one of our other uh, videos we did, where I make the distinction between supplementation and addition. They're two different things. So. With the part C, the balling part C, it includes all 70 trace elements. It is, it is everything that's in sea salt except sodium chloride, calcium, and alkalinity. It includes everything else. It's basically magnesium and trace elements. But it's a very, very low concentration because you're only adding enough to make up for that little tiny bit of sodium chloride that was left over from your part A and B when you made that addition. Okay, um, so technically, you are adding trace elements to your system when you're putting part C in. You're adding trace elements. But here's a distinction. You're only adding enough to equalize or ionically balance that sodium chloride that you created from the part A and B, the, the stuff you took out of the tank you're not supplementing, which the way I def define supplementing is you're making up for used trace elements. Mm -hmm. So the, the true balling method, and there's two reasons I, I, I put the word true in there. One is because there's tons and tons of product out on the market that have the name balling on it that are not the balling method. So when I talk about the true balling method, I'm talking about the true balling method, which only comes from Tropic Marin, from Hans Werner Balling himself. Um, and the other reason I say true balling method is because a lot of the, um, the, the other methods that are called balling have some types of trace elements in them or not because they're not the true balling method. So in the true balling method, although you are technically adding trace elements with your Part C addition, you're not supplementing for used trace elements. Uh, let me take a stab at this too, because you're getting the complex things. Okay. The difference he's talking about again here is that when I sup or when I take that water to reduce the salinity from the two part and dump in the trash, I took out a bunch of trace elements and dumped them down the drain. Part C, it's only going to replace those. Now right. there's all kinds of trace elements that my corals are sucking up. That supplement, that's A and K. 
exactly. And the, the, the logical next question, which everybody always asks me is, well, if there's trace elements in the part C and there's magnesium in part C, can I just use part C as a magnesium and a trace element uh, supplementation, supplementation? And the answer to that is no. Um, and the reason the answer is no is because number one, the concentrations are so small that you'd have to add buckets of it to your tank to, to really accomplish anything. Um, but more importantly, when you're supplementing trace elements, you really only want to supplement the trace elements that have been used. And there's about 17 of them that get used really quickly in reef tanks. And at different ratios. Yeah. You know, then there's not balance just to where it is. Right, it's exactly. It's sucked up at different rates. So you don't want to dump in all 70 trace elements when you're supplementing trace elements. You want to dump in the ones that are getting used. And that's the trace A and K. The reason when I, in my very difficult to read description says that you can add the trace K to the part A of balling and the trace A to the part B of so trace balling. Trace K to part A. Yeah. Trace, trace A to, to part, part B. B. Is because if you try to add trace A to the carbonates, which is in part B, uh, sorry, if you try to, uh, yeah, if you try to try to add A, trace A to part A with the calcium, you get a precipitate. Yeah. So the trace K has to go in the part A, and then the trace A has to go in the part B. So one of the interesting things that I asked you a long time ago is like, well, why not just have these things in there to begin with? Mm -hmm. And you said sometimes you don't want the trace elements. Right. Sometimes you don't need the extra trace elements, uh, especially if your tank is uh, under a year old or so. You, if you've got corals in there, if you've got active coralline algae growth, you're going to be consuming the calcium and the alkalinity. You're going to need the balling, but you don't really need the traces at that point. And I'm not a big fan of overdosing trace elements in a tank. So... In that instance, you don't really want them in there, and they're super easy to add. So you might as well, once your tank gets to that maturity, add the A and the K to the, to the one and the two, or however you want to look at it, um, so that when you're putting in your part A, your part B, and your part C of balling, you're at the same time, without any additional anything, also adding the trace elements. All right, I'm going to put my uh, bulk resupply hat on for a second. Uh, and I tell you, one of the reasons I actually like this is because the number one two-part by far that you guys pick up from here is actually the BRS bulk two-part. And presumably, because in this case, best means like affordable, high quality, right? But no trace elements in there. That's always been the thing, yeah. right? Okay, so one of the things we hooked up with you guys on is the formula, and you can go find this video on it. But like that, you can just make your own balling method using BRS bulk chems, uh, and then pick up the part C, which is like really inexpensive and lasts a long time, and then you can put the A and K right into ours. So now what you get is the benefit of this hybrid kind of balling method yeah. uh, is you're also using soda ash, which raises uh, the pH of the tank. Now this is best done with a dosing pump. If you're gonna dose by hand, I think the uh, standard balling mm -hmm. method is probably best. But uh, now I get that uh, uh, trace element mix in there for like way less than buying something with trace elements already in it. Uh, and I can do it adjustable, so it's not pegged. I don't, like, what if my tank doesn't take up trace elements the same way as somebody else's? Yeah. Okay, and then in the, the one thing that comes to mind is in the beginning, 
is trace elements can actually feed all of the garbage growing in the tank more than it might be feeding the scarce amount of tiny corals in there. Yeah, I don't like to talk about that too much because in, in my experience, people kind of get stuck on that, you know, like they get stuck on, oh, trace elements. I bake, I put trace elements in and I grew all this junk. So I try not to talk about that too much. The fact is, it's true. If, you, if you're putting in too many trace elements too early on, you really are fostering the growth of stuff you don't want to see. Yeah, like they're opportunistic organisms yeah. and the coral aren't taking it up. Yeah. So why don't I? Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. All right. Interesting. All right. So uh, interesting. The next one is I, I'm, I would never have thought that this was coming up, but it must, people must ask. Uh, using the bollard meth method does not mean that you don't need to do water changes. Yeah, when years and years and years ago, when Hans Werner first wrote about the balling method, uh, there was a lot of talk about how if you're raising this salinity in this ionically balanced way, and then you're diluting it, and you're taking care of all of these variables, uh, maybe we could do away with water changes. And there was a lot of discussion about it back then, and some people said yes, and some people said no, and Hans Werner, I don't, I don't know where he fell on the fence at that point. Um, so there's still a lot of that talk around. Um, and, and this kind of relates back to our water change discussion, which is, um, does it mean that you don't have to, if you're using balling, does it mean that you don't have to do water changes? My answer to that is no. And the, the question about should I do water changes and how often should I do water changes and how big should they, how large should they be and whatever, that all relates to strictly the water change conversation. I'm a fan of water changes. I'm not one of these people that thinks you need to do them, you know, 10 to 20% every two weeks. I don't think that's necessary. Um, I think it's a good idea to do one once a month, once every couple of months. I think it's a great idea if you run into trouble in your system. Uh, water changes is one of the best drop back positions you can take. Um, so I think it's a good idea to do them once in a while, but they don't relate to balling specifically, making it that if you're doing balling, you don't have to do water changes. That's a, a fantasy. You know what my takeaway in this is? And uh, that most of you have been watching know that I'm a I'm pro water changes, regular and frequent, uh, but that's a whole other discussion, uh, is uh, if for whatever reason, I was just gonna totally ignore that, re that council and I wasn't gonna do water changes and I was gonna use two part, mm -hmm. This is the only one I would use. Yeah, I think that's Again, true. we're gonna hit the best now yeah, for yeah. a purpose. All the rest of them are on a path to bad news. No, I think that's true. Yeah, I, like if you weren't doing water changes now, then man, not only am I worried about trace element consumption from the animals, I'm intentionally diluting it every single time I dilute the, uh, the tank. Yeah, if you're talking water, about- Either from the skimmer or intentional. If you're talking about two-part, I mean, I don't think that's true of Alpha Reef. You, no, could, it's you not. could use all for Reef. Yeah, it's not for there, but if you're a two-part and you're yeah, not yeah, doing water doing changes, two. this is the only one I would use. Yeah, 100%. Uh, all the rest of them are a major defect to this. Yeah, yeah 100%. Uh, I'm gonna, like, I don't use major defect as a common <laughs> term, but, uh, but like, yeah, they, I, I, it's very clear to me. Okay, uh, the next one. If you need balling because your system uses much more alkalinity than calcium, you can probably diagnose why it does that and then fix it. Yeah, this is one we get a lot. Uh, when we did the most most asked questions, I told you this was my number one question that we get uh, in tech support. Um, people are people want to do 
because the instructions say you use equal amounts of A, B, and C in balling, but they find if they're doing equal amounts that their alkalinity is slowly dropping. And that comes from the fact that there's really only two things that can consume calcium in your system. And both of them relate to calcification, either chemical uh, formation of, of calcium carbonate that just happens in your tank. And by the way, that you don't have to necessarily see a white cloud when that happens. It's, it's happening all the time in your tank anyway. Um, and then biological calcification, the, the, the formation of calcium carbonate that your, your calcareous animals are doing to form their, their calcium carbonate matrix. Those are basically the only two things that can decrease your calcium level in your aquarium. And both of those things also take alkalinity out of the water column, right? The problem comes in that there's a whole bunch of other things that can take alkalinity out of your water column without taking calcium. So sometimes you have some of those other processes going on that are sucking alkalinity out of the system and not taking calcium. So now all of a sudden you need more of the part B than, than what you're using of the part A. And it's okay if it's a little off. If you're using you know, 70 mils of part A and 80 mils of part B every day, I wouldn't worry about it. But if you're using 70 mils of part A and to maintain your, your alkalinity, you need 140 mils of part B, we need to figure out why that's happening. Something's wrong. And there's usually a good explanation and it usually comes down to one of three things, circulation, aeration, or CO2 pooling. It's almost always one of those three things. Hmm. All right, next one is Alpha Reef. Now we're switching to Alpha Reef and just like not everybody as, a lot of people are familiar with Alpha Reef, but not as many as two parts. So I'm gonna give a little brief introduction to it. Alpha Reef is calcium formate plus trace elements. Calcium formate hits the water, ionizes, turns into calcium. Formate uh, will then be processed by the bacteria into carbonate alkalinity. It is, uh, other than Kalkwasser, which is a very dilute solution, it is the only one part, and in fact, only one part that I can think of that also has trace elements in it. So that means I got one fairly concentrated solution, one dosing pump, one container, and doses all of that stuff. It should sound really attractive because it is a lot attractive to a lot of people. Now, let's so go wait, find one, out. We got two, one little correction. What? Also has magnesium in it. So you're, oh. you're dosing the cal, Reef has, is gonna dose calcium, alkalinity, magnesium, and trace elements. There you go. Okay, all right. So with that in mind, uh, Reef is the most concentrated and convenient method. Yeah, so convenience clearly because it's one solution. Um, one dosing pump. One dosing pump, one chamber, and it's super concentrated. Uh, it's about uh, four or five times as concentrated in the solutions for calcium and alkalinity than balling is. That means that I can, instead of have three containers, I got one container and I can change out the container one fifth as often. <laughs> yeah, it's insane stuff. Um, what, what I love about the, the um, we talk about the convenience of it, it's, it's the first time that a single solution is able to give you all of that 
and supply as much as you need. And here's what I mean by that. If you've got a tank that is really actively growing, what most people like to do is they put their Kalkwasser in their makeup water. And what often happens in systems that are mature, that have a lot of population, that are growing a lot, is that they need more calcium and alkalinity than the amount of making makeup water going in. Your tank is evaporating. So if your tank only evaporates a gallon a day, and what you need is a gallon and a quarter of two-part, or not two-part, of, of Kalkwasser, that means uh, you're two weeks away from it flooding over the edge of the tank because yeah. you're adding more water to it than you evaporate. Yeah, so, um, so you never can really make up everything that you need when, when there's that kind of demand. It, a lot of tanks run on Kalkwasser without any problem, but that is a potential issue. The, the other way of doing this in a single solution is with calcium acetate. Now, this is an old school way to do it. Um, this is the, the Alfarif product is calcium formate, not calcium. That's actually the next one here, which is uh, Alfarif oh. is not calcium acetate solution. All right, so I'm gonna cover two, two at once. Uh, sorry about that. Um, so the, cal the, the Alfarif is not calcium acetate. Now, why do I make that distinction? I make that distinction because the only other products other than Kalkwasser that have been a single solution product for calcium and alkalinity have been calcium acetate products. And there are still quite a few on the market. Not very popular. The problem with calcium acetate is, again, you can't add enough because the oxygen consumption from the acetate metabolism that's caused is so high that if you add too much calcium acetate to the system, the oxygen drops so far that it's actually dangerous for your animals. So Alfarif being calcium formate is really the first time that you're able to meet high calcium alkalinity demand with a single solution. And I should mention there's also carbocalcium, which we'll get into in a second here, but those two things being calcium formate based are really the first time you can meet that kind of large demand. All right, so for larger systems, trace elements can be added to carbocalcium so you can regulate magnesium in a separate dose. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so um, originally when we first came out with Alfarif, with we figured Alfarif would be the nano tank solution and carbocalcium would be the big tank solution. Um, and I had a really good explanation for why that would be the case. It turns out now that everybody's using Alfarif in these really big systems, and so that's not so much the case anymore. However, there I mean, is- I think it's probably 50 to one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. However, it's important to understand that there is this other solution with uh, uh, carbocalcium. Carbocalcium is only calcium formate then, right? It's only calcium formate. It's only giving you calcium and alkalinity. No magnesium, no trace elements. Right. So where the Alfarif is giving you all four of those things, right? Um, what happens is that you have, if you have one of these systems, let's say you have one of these systems, it's a large system, and it's not using any magnesium. Magnesium is a funny one because I notice in some systems, you know, they'll use a lot of magnesium and other systems will use almost no magnesium. And some systems will use almost no magnesium and then go through a period of six months where they're using tons of magnesium and then go back to using no magnesium. I haven't quite figured all that out yet. But the bottom line is that on a smaller system where you're doing larger percentage water changes, 
It's easy to make up for a little magnesium excess or less by doing a larger water change. You got a 20 gallon system, you do a 10 gallon water change, you just fixed half of that problem, right? But if you've got a 300, a 400 gallon system, and you got a little imbalance with the magnesium, all of a sudden it's not so easy to fix because you can't do a, a 50% water change. So the solution, a really good solution to this is you use the carbocalcium, which is your calcium and your alkalinity only. Add the trace A and the trace K together to that solution. And you, you can't just put trace A and trace K together because they precipitate. But if you add trace A and trace K to carbocalcium, the carbocalcium is so concentrated that it prevents the A and K from precipitating. So you can add both of them hmm. to the A and K, uh, sorry, to the carbocalcium. Now what you're doing is you've got a single solution in your large system that's dosing calcium and alkalinity and all your trace elements in one solution on one dosing pump. And you got another dosing pump where you can regulate how much magnesium you're putting in. Yeah, a little bit more. Flexible. Gives you a little bit more control over that magnesium that's going in the system. Uh, very interesting. You know, one of the things that comes to mind, though, as you talk about these things, I would say if you would use the carbocalcium or, or the Alpharif, you still need a set of, uh, you know, balling or a jug of calcium chloride and uh, sodium bicarbonate sit around because like carbocalcium isn't the kind of thing you're going to use to make occasional adjustments. Like I found out my levels are now 400 and I want to bump them back up to 420. You wouldn't use this. Yeah, no, this is a really good point. And in fact, you, there's always a give and take. There's always something you're giving up and always something you're getting. So with the balling method, you're getting this total control Super over precise. everything that goes in the tank every day in, in whatever way you want to control it. What do you give up with balling? What do you give up with balling is a convenience. You got to have three solutions. You got to have three pumps. You got to have three dosing chambers. You're mixing up three solutions all the time, right? You're giving up that convenience. Now, if you go to the carbocalcium or the Olfarif uh, methodology, you're, you're getting this ultimately convenient way of doing it. One dosing pump, one chamber, one solution, no brainer, super easy, very concentrated. What are we giving up? we're giving up that control of the individual components because everything is in one solution. So we have no control over how much of each is going in. What we do is we put in the ratios of calcium, alkalinity, magnesium, and trace elements that are being used by the corals. But if your system is using different amounts of one or more of those, then something's gonna go out of balance at some point. And so in some systems that are using alpharif or carbocalcium, and I have to say, I am amazed at the very, very small number of systems that need this. When we first came out with these products, I thought many more systems were going to need periodic adjustments than what is actually needed. Um, but the point is, if you find that your alkalinity is a little low, you can always add a little balling B to make up for that this week. And you might not have to add more for another week or two or three, but you may have to make a periodic adjustment of magnesium or, or alkalinity or calcium from time to time with all of these one part solutions. I'd say that's true of almost anything. Like 
uh, like two part, obviously I'm gonna use my two part to make the connections and there's really easy to use calculators and all this stuff for this and that's why. Okay, but if I was going to make adjustments using Kelquasser, I'd still use two part. Yeah. If I was gonna make adjustments using a uh, calcium reactor, I'd still use two part. Yeah. If I was going to make adjustments using the Alfari for the non-trace element version, the carbocalcium, yeah. I'd still use two part. Yeah, yeah. So it's important to note that like the two part uh, and in this case, I probably want a two-part that doesn't have trace elements in mm -hmm. it. I just want to adjust the calcium and alkalinity levels independently. Yeah. So, uh, all right. The next thing here is once dissolved, carbocalcium and alpha reef will stay in solution. Both are close to supersaturated. So seeing some undissolved solids in the solution is very normal. Yeah, we get this question a lot. They try and somebody's trying to use a stir to stir it up and there's a little bit of precipitate still on the bottom or whatever. And all you need to understand is that these, both of those solutions are very, very close to supersaturated. And so sometimes there is a little residual undissolved solids. Doesn't hurt anything. If it were to get in your tank, it wouldn't hurt anything. Um, once they're dissolved, they do not drop out of solution. You could have them in that dosing container for months and they're gonna be there. When we bottle it in the liquid form, it's in the liquid form and it's in there for a long time. So they don't drop out of solution once they're dissolved and it's not unusual to see a little undissolved solids in there because it's a super saturated solution. Hmm. Next one, sorry for one more, we've <laughs> hit 11. Uh, the yellow or brownish color on the label and the product of Alfarif is also very common due to iodine oxidation and off-gassing. Yeah, Explain. so this is one that we, we're just kind of finding out about now um, as the product is on the market for a longer period of time. I did a trade show and I uh, got a bunch of samples sent to me and the labels were all yellow around the top, like yellow brownish around the top. And then I opened it up and it was all kind of dark yellow inside. Uh, I, I took the top off and the, the, the seal on the inside and the powder was still white, but the container itself was all yellow inside. And so we did a bunch of analysis to try to figure out what this all is. And what it turns out is that the iodine off gases. And that's why you see it on the outside of the container, because it's actually gas coming out that um, is oxidized iodine. Uh, what we have found is that it doesn't change the iodine concentration in the product itself. It's such a small amount that it doesn't actually change the concentration. But if you get a jar of the Alfarif powder, and you open it up and you find that it's all yellow uh, on the container on the inside and the label is all yellow. Don't worry about it, it's perfectly fine to use. It's just this off-gassing of the oxidized iodine. Cool, well, uh, you know, the exciting part here is that there's more of these conversations right here. Uh, we got a whole bunch of them. You can go find a whole playlist of uh, Lou and me talking about all this nerdy reefing science and we'll see you in the next one.